everybody, and welcome to The Void, a show dedicated to filling the void between being an employee and becoming self-employed. Most people refer to starting your own company as taking the leap as if they're blindly jumping off a cliff and into the unknown. This show is here to help you understand that it doesn't have to be that way. As always, if you like what you're hearing on the show, please do us a favor and help share the void with somebody else who might also be wanting to start their own company. We saw an opportunity to help others understand that self-employment is well within your reach. And just as our businesses have grown organically and by word of mouth, we want this show to grow the same way. I'm your host, Mitch Smedley, and with me as always is David Hilton. Mitch, I have a bone to pick with you. You have a bone to pick with me. So we do the shows on Tuesdays. We do right? the shows on Tuesdays. Rained all day yesterday. All day. Couldn't get out this weekend because it was 80 degrees and blowing like a mad cow. Oh, you're wanting to be in the woods right I now. I should be in the woods you right now. You should be in the deer woods. I should be bow hunting. Oh. Right fucking now. And instead... I've sacrificed my time and evening for no money. Look here. <laughs> I, Ass for, hat. Our, for our audio listeners only, you're mm. not going to be able to see this. But what do you got? A buddy of mine sent me a picture. He got his first doe with a bow today. Nice. Yeah. It's fucking awesome, isn't That's it? a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that real or is it fake? It's covered in blood. Let me see it. Let me see the picture. I think it's a meme. It's got to be a meme. It's got blood on it, and there's blood on the ground. Now, I don't think my buddy shot it, but I think somebody shot it and was mistaking it for a deer. You know what the real sad part is? Is that's a baby donkey. That's not even a big donkey. The bow is bigger than the donkey. (laughs) God, who shoots a donkey? I don't know, but Shrek is going to be pissed when he finds (laughs) out. It's kind of like that saying where it's like, I shot a werewolf, but by the time I went up to it, it turned back into my neighbor's dog. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I should be hunting. Yeah. I'm not. I've been out like seven times. I keep... And I've seen... I've seen a ton. I've seen one shooter buck. Yeah. Couldn't get him in range. Seen a bunch of littles, but like today was the... We're, we're coming out of the October lull. First so. off, the October lull is bullshit. Nah, it's pretty legit. Mm, nope. It's where they're shifting from nope. being very patterned into bachelor groups and breaking up into singles. So They're breaking up into singles. So, yeah. Yeah. I should, that's where I should be right now. So thanks, everybody. Well... You're all welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> you're Venison all, for everybody when Dave snags welcome. one. Yeah, I only got like two things of snack sticks left yeah all right anyways sorry for the what are the topics of the day i have no idea you have no idea well i do actually i shouldn't say that i know what they are but so we are going to talk about two things today and it'll probably take the whole dang episode to talk about these two um one of them is a topic inspired by a fellow podcaster called brad lee i'm sure you've heard of his podcast and if you haven't you need to check it out it's called dropping bombs um, and that one is, uh, it's called that, that topic is don't overcomplicate things. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, stupid. Um, the next topic that we're going to talk about is how to overcome massive financial surprises. So Dave, actually, no, not Dave, Austin. What? You, what did I do? You get to pick. He's, he's playing video games on his cell phone. I'm trying right to now. play pool, Mitch. Yeah. Uh, which one are we starting out with? We are starting with the overcomplicating things. Oh, man. <laughs> is, is that one of them? Guy, man. Is, is that one of them? Sorry, I'm in the middle of 
Nine ball corner pocket. I have one more ball to hit before the eight ball. Oh, well, I'm glad to see you're valuing this show more than your pool game on your phone. I love everybody. Yeah. All right. Let's try not to be, let's try not to be too dramatic. So, uh, I spent this last weekend in Las Vegas. Um, I was at an event called Profit Rocket and, um, douche. As we all know, Dave has an aversion to going to success and motivational type events. I, however, tend to enjoy them in small quantities. So, um, small quantities. You go every month. <laughs> no. Yes. Four times a year. Every other month. You're <laughs> fucking gone. The yeah. topic today is actually marital counseling, and you're yeah. listening now. Be- between yeah. Dave and Mitch, right? Yeah. So, um, man, I just got so much this, work to do. Well, maybe if you weren't out of town every fucking other weekend, <laughs> you get some of that shit done. This, uh, this event, they had some pretty awesome speakers there. And one of the speakers was Brad Lee. And I've listened to his podcast quite a bit. Um, I'd like to listen to it more, especially as he's growing in popularity and everything else. But he has a really unconventional way of breaking things down to where they're incredibly simple. And he doesn't get lost in the weeds and everything else. And so um, he was he was telling a story in uh, in his in his speech or whatever you want to call it. It wasn't really a speech, but he got to talk for an hour. And and during that hour, he was telling a story. And and I'm going to do my best to kind of recapture that story today. So um, basically, he had a pretty good sales job, but he was spending money as fast as it was coming in. He wasn't all that smart with his money yet. And he and his buddies wanted to go to Vegas for a week. And uh, so he had 3800 bucks to his name. And he was like, yeah, let's go to Vegas. So he goes and tells his boss he's going to be off all next week to Vegas. And his boss is like, bullshit. And if, <laughs> if you're gone, you're fired. And he's like, well, do what you got to do. And <laughs> you so, do what you got to do. I'm going to do what I got to do. Yeah, so he heads off to Vegas, right, with his 3800 bucks, And he thought for sure 3800 bucks would be enough for a week in yeah, Vegas. Yeah, partying. And um, he woke up his second morning in Vegas, and he was 100% out of money. He had spent all of it. Been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, now. Bitch, I'm broke. Yeah, probably an awesome <laughs> night for sure. But uh, he was out of money, and so it's not like he could give up and go back home. He didn't have a job, right, because he lost that to come there. I mean, he could go home, but he could go home, but to no job. And so he got a job at a restaurant there in Vegas, thought he could make some quick tips and, and, you know, live out the rest of the week. So he gets a job there, and he makes enough money to, to get him by for the rest of his time there, and he quits. Well, in the meantime, in his job there, he was selling more desserts than that restaurant had ever sold in their existence. And so as like, like selling so many desserts that the restaurant was running out of styrofoam containers to put them in. And so as he's quitting, the owner of the restaurant's like, you know, that's fine. People come and go. I get it. But how in the hell were you selling so many desserts? We've never sold that many desserts. And Bradley simply told him, he was like, it's just because you people are idiots. You fuckers are waiting until the customers are full before you ask them if they want dessert. I was asking them as soon as they sat down. I brought the dessert tray by. I said, these are the desserts we have tonight, and when they're gone, they're gone. Which one would you like to pick out, and I'll make sure there's one sitting there for you. And they would pick their desserts before they ever ordered their drinks and before they ever ordered their food. And so he was almost ensuring a dessert sale 
at every table. And when you're hungry, yeah. Do you ever watch that old show Seinfeld? That old show Seinfeld? Just from the 90s. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's 30 years old. Yeah. There's one episode where Jerry's like he does his his stand-up bit and he's like, you know, you don't understand when you're out to eat, you're so hungry. You're just like, more drinks, more food, more dessert, more everything. When you're hungry, you don't care. And then you get the bill at the end and you're like, what, what the done? fuck is this? Yeah. How much food did we order? Because when you're starving, yeah. you're at the mercy. You don't care. You're like, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Appetizer? Yeah, bring three. Yep. I'll have four beers, six appetizers, two entrees, and yeah, I'll have that dessert. Yeah. I'm starving to death. Yeah. I had a friend do it the opposite way where he would actually tell them what the desserts. He'd say, hey, like, we're still cooking your order, but we do have some cheesecake ready. Cheesecake factory. He's like, can I go ahead and get you dessert? He'd actually serve dessert first. first on that, right. Banana cream cheesecake at the Cheesecake Factory mm. is the best cheesecake ever. I ate, a whole, yeah. I, I ate half a cake in one sitting one time. The next day, I mean, I shit my brains out, right. <laughs> but it was delicious. Delicious. I, uh, I don't want to knock on Cheesecake Factory. Delicious. However, oh, their food's only okay. But as their a cheesecake plumber, you get delicious. a view into a lot of restaurants behind the scenes. Which one you been in? The Plaza. Yeah. Yeah. You got to go to the one off of Medcalf. So yeah, there's there's some. Yeah, you got to go to the one off Medcalf. You you get a you get a behind the scenes view of a lot of things as a plumber, and there's a lot of restaurants you won't eat at anymore if after t- you've yeah done if, plumbing there. If I told you about the worst Chinese restaurant I'd ever been in as a heating and cooling guy. I mean, like to this day, it makes my skin crawl. Yeah. Yeah. Now maybe I'll tell you about it. It's probably right next to the animal clinic. Well, you haven't, like, <laughs> no, they had their own animals in the back. <laughs> yeah. They were huge. Yeah. And they were fast. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was awful. They were quick. Oh my God. So, so basically what Bradley's getting at is, is two things. One is don't overcomplicate things, but two is just because it's the way things have always been done doesn't mean it's the way things need to continue being done, right? Every restaurant out there waits till you're full, and then they come by and, can I interest you in any desserts? And they know there's a 99% chance you're going to say no because you're full, yeah. right? So he flipped the script. He he uncomplicated things, right? He just said, "Huh, they're they're coming here. We know if somebody walks in our door, we know they're going to buy drinks, and we know they're going to buy a meal. But if we want them to buy dessert, desserts always told no because they're already full because it's offered at the end of the meal. So if I want to sell a dessert, let's offer it before all of that other stuff that we know they're going to buy anyway." And then we capture that sale, too. And so um, he uncomplicated things, and he also went unconventional. And it worked really, really well. Now, we're not talking millions and millions of dollars, but it's a small view into what happens when you break out of the mold of doing things the way that things have always been done. And and <clears throat> when you peel back the layers of complication, right? So you yeah. you want to say something? I, right? I just uh, first off, I have a great restaurant idea that I'm going to tell you after the show because okay. I don't want everyone else to know it. All right, but I just, I mean, I feel like so in our industry, what's really bad, and this is going to sound 
awful, but I don't mean it to, but like the old guys in the industry mm-hmm. are the worst. You know what I mean? They're the, no, it, this is how I've done it. This is how the guy did it before me. Mm-hmm. This is how we're going to continue to do it. Right. You know, I have to be satisfied. The, the real problem is, is the, I have to be satisfied before we can move forward yep. with a project. Yeah. And guys will... I mean, if you have employees that are like that, no, that's how I want to do this. This is how we're, this is a little off topic, but not mm-hmm, off topic. Mm-hmm. If it, if they sell a job and, but it takes two guys to go out there and help them do that job. And that guy is so set in his ways about how we're going to do this job right here that it creates a conflict between the other guy saying, Hey dude, we could save like three hours doing it this way. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't sales related. This is just getting the job done related. But I feel like that, especially in our industries, is a huge drag down. Yeah. It's a drag down in sales. It's a drag down in productivity. It can, even in office management. Yeah. No, we have to have seven. This person has to have a hard copy, and this person has to have a hard copy, and this person has to have a co- hard copy. Next thing you know, you have so much paperwork yeah. that yeah. you've literally overcomplicated your office where you can't even find anything anymore you're bottlenecking yourself yeah and you're just you're weighing yourself down i feel like a lot of the office personnel that i've dealt with are like that way yep they just they have so much of it yeah that they can't they they can't even they can't see the forest through the trees because there's so much weighing on them yeah yeah so um a lot of the complication that comes from that is when you start making rules around the exception Right. Yeah. You you get one customer that tries to take advantage of you, and so now you change your process that has worked perfectly up until that one customer. You change your whole process to try to avoid that one op, that one customer in the future. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're now screwing your customer experience for all customers going forward. Right. Um. And and that's how overcomplication begins. Right. Um, we, we literally just had this happen today. Um, weird freak thing happened. Um, we put a, two weeks ago, we put a water heater in for a guy. We, we get a call water's coming through their ceiling in their kitchen, their hallway and their laundry room. And so we go out there and we find out that his water heater is ruptured. His water heater is above, it's in an attic space above his kitchen, and his Ugh. hallway in his laundry room. And the water heater's in a pan, but the pan's a shitty cracked plastic pan. And <laughs> and on top of that, the pan doesn't even have a drain. Oh, so it's just rolling over the it's sides. Like, why even put a pan under it if it can't go anywhere, right? <laughs> so um, you know, we give him tons of options. We like that's our whole shtick is we give people options. Three options. We straight water heater replacement. Water heater with an expansion tank, and then I don't know what the upper option was. Probably a water heater with an expansion tank and a pressure regulation valve. Um, there's no drain up there to drain this pan, so um, it would be like a nightmare to try to drain the pan or to try to like install a pan with a drain or something like that, right? So basically, we ended up putting back what was there. The customer picked the cheapest option we offered which was just a straight water heater replacement. Could have put a water sensor alarm on the pan. Could have. Um, but Booyah. as he was <laughs> as he was given all these options, he was picking the cheapest. And he literally said when he was picking the cheapest option, I'm in this house for eight more months before I get transferred out of this area. 
I'm just looking for an eight-month solution, right? Yeah. So the other water heater lasted 22 years. So he's literally looking to spend as little as possible. So we put in as little as possible, right? Well, come to find out, thermal expansion was indeed a problem. And for the plumbers that listen to this show, you'll know what I'm talking about. TMP if you don't, blowing over on them? Yeah, if you don't install a thermal expansion tank, the TMP starts dripping. That's what happened. And now, two weeks later, water's coming through his ceiling again. And keep in mind, we can't do anything with this water that's coming out of the TMP. There's no drains up there. And so... Um, Man, I'm going to bust your ball so hard on this one. <laughs> well, I mean, keep in mind, keep in mind, we could have option, offered every option under the sun. However, the three options we did offer, he picked the absolute cheapest one, right? Well, now, all of a sudden, this customer's changing his tune, and he's like, you guys screwed me, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, we, we offered you every, like, we offered you an option to replace exactly what was there. We offered you an option, and we even suggested if the temperature pressure relief valve is going to give you problems, the thermal expansion tank will prevent that, and you should probably go with at least this one, right? He denied all that. He went with the cheapest. And and so now he calls up, and he's upset that water's coming through his ceiling again, and now he's trying to say we did an improper install. And it's like, no, we did exactly what you wanted, and just because now you're seeing what we warned you about, you can't say that we did the improper install. If anything, like we can only do as much work as you pay for. So if anything, you chose the wrong option. And, and you know, like if we did anything wrong, it, it was we should have like not even offered you an option without a thermal expansion tank. Boom. And but even then... If water, if one drop of water comes out of that water heater, it's going onto yeah. wood and everything else, right? What's, where was that at? Uh, it's not too far from here. Fancy What's, house, 500, $500 to $600,000 house. What's the code state? Code states thermal expansion must be controlled when thermal expansion is present. There's always thermal expansion. Not necessarily. You, so, well, you got to bleed through PRV? No PRV in this, in, in this instance. So is it bleeding back? Don't know. Honestly, don't like I wasn't there. I'm not sure, but what, I do know that they don't have a PRV. What brand so. of uh, heater was it? State. Nothing wrong with water heater. So, like when we got there, we I tested don't think it. States require expansion tanks. I can't remember. Yeah, I so, might look that up. Anyway, like we <laughs> we always offer the customer the options, right? And we you always should. give them. So we always give them a warning, and it's in like it's in writing that. If you pick a base option of a water heater and it does begin to emit water from the temperature pressure relief valve, there you're, you go. you're gonna need to level up to that next option that includes the expansion tank. We tell them that up front, but we don't want to pigeon like we never want to put a customer in a position where they don't have a choice in the repair. So we want to give them the choice, but then we also want to try to lead them to the right choice. But then whenever they choose the base option and then it comes back around, it like. When the situation proves that they should have taken our advice and gone with the middle option, we we don't charge them extra. We don't do anything like that. We literally just charge them the difference from the option they picked to the option they should have picked. And we come in and we put in the thermal expansion tank and we move on. So did you put the tank in or what? So, yeah, we put the tank in. However, this guy's like, all this water is your fault and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, we could put this tank in. And that thermal, that TMP valve could pop again tomorrow. Because keep in mind, it pops for temperature and pressure. 
You probably should have a PRV so on that house. The the TMP valve could pop tomorrow and flood your house again. You have no provisions for capturing all that water up there. So like there is no such thing as a proper I'm install. I'm surprised up that there. they let that go up there. Yeah, I know. I know. So it's it's a weird sticky situation, right? Well, in this case, it's a guy that's choosing the cheapest option available against our better advice, and then he's trying to hold that against us later, yeah. right? So, if anything, we overcomplicate things sometimes by trying to give a customer options. However, statistics prove, like our own statistics prove, that when we give customers options, they have a better experience with us. Well, we're not going to go rewrite the script for how we sell, and we're not going to go change the options that we provide customers based off of this one bad apple. No. So we're like, this happens once in a rare blue moon. Well, you might, you might tell people, Hey, if you don't have a PRV, we're putting a thermal expansion tank on it. No matter what. Most people have a PRV around where we live. So it's not like it's a, yeah, you know, the, the challenge is that one outlier here and there with that. The challenge with that is it adds to your cost and in a water heaters are somewhat competitive, right? So us offering three options and offering an option that doesn't in, it require a thermal expansion tank gets the customer to listen to us a little bit more because we're not forcing them to buy all of this stuff. Now we're recommending that they buy it, but we're not telling them they have to. Right. Now you have like a story to tell someone who's like in the same situation. Could be. Like, hey, here's a risk factor. Here's what's happened. I mean, real Look, motherfucker. Realistically, you need this thermal expansion tank. God yeah. damn it. Well, realistically, what I'm <laughs> realistically what I'm probably going to do is tomorrow morning is our weekly meeting, and I'm probably going to present to the guys that you know we want to keep offering options and everything else. However, if damage could result from somebody picking a base option, in those cases, we want to probably move those options up a notch. Right. We want the bare minimum option to still be a damage free option. Now, in this case, like in this case, you're still at a lose lose. Water comes out of that heater. It's flooding that house no matter what. Yeah. We could put a pan under it and it would still flood that house. Like like I hate to say it. The only solution is to like jack it up two feet off the ground, put a pan under it, drain it to some kind of basin and put a pump in there. And like some kind of high water alarm. No, or a high water alarm would be like something, right? Yeah. So it's not like HVAC where you can kill the, like you can't put a switch in that just kills the furnace. I've done it before. Well, so I, we went, so when I was in Warrensburg. You, okay. you would have to put one in that like killed the water feed, but then you still have 50 gallons of water that's like if the tank pops. You still have 50 gallons of water that's going to try to drain out of the heater. If the tank pops, you're toast. Right. But if you're in a dripping situation, you can catch it early. You can literally put a 24-volt. So if they have an alarm system, you can tie it to that. Yeah. If you have a 24-volt, I'm not shitting you. This, This old man was crazy, okay? He wanted to know... If, if his tanks were leaking at all, they're in a basement. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. there's a floor drain. So yeah. no, nobody wanted to know anyway. Yep. So put a water heater in a pan for him. Literally put a high water alarm, which was 24 volts from a heating and cooling system, ran it to a peanut relay that ran a 240 volt relay that shut the heat off to the water heater <laughs> if it sensed water. And how he would know is they just wouldn't have hot water. Right. This was his... He was like, that's what I want. 
Okay. I'm like, okay. Right. So I go to the electrical supply house. I'm like, uh, I need a relay that is 240 that jumps off of 120 that I have to run power to and then go to the heating and cooling supply house and say, I need a peanut relay that's 24 volt to 120. Yep. I mean, I didn't even know they may have made a 120, but right. hell, I didn't know. So this guy's got, I mean, literally a contraption in his basement. Right, just, right. Just in case. Just in case, right? Just in case. And I mean, like we could we could look back at this scenario here and Monday morning quarterback it to death, and of there's probably l- it's listeners the whole half to this. Point of the show. Yeah, yeah. There's probably <laughs> listeners to this show going, "Oh, I would never put one in without a thermal expansion tank and a PRV and all that stuff." And, oh, and yeah. that's fine. Like, there's a lot of people that do that, and I'm not disagreeing with it. I'm saying that when like we offer customers the option to not get a thermal expansion tank, 95% of them still choose to buy one on their own. But they did it on their terms and because that was their choice rather than because we were forcing them to. And so this is kind of an odd one that slips through the cracks. But, um, you know, we're not going to rewrite our whole process for how we treat every customer because this one guy was being super difficult. Um, It's it's just part of the way it is. You, You don't you don't make the rule around the exception. And if anything, you make the rules around the desired outcome. And you got to understand that there's going to be outliers, right? Yeah. So um, it's like the old guy that, man, I'll never put a GE water heater in, in again. I put one in for a customer, and that thing leaked. I'll never do it again. Right. It could have been a who knows. Who what, knows? Yeah. Like really? I mean, come on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> until it develops a pattern, like ignore yeah. that, right? So that's, I mean, that's kind of a long-winded way to to tag on to Brad, what Bradley was saying, but. Um, um, that that's how it applies to us in like home service businesses is keep it simple and and offer the solutions when the customer is buying. Don't offer the solutions after the customer has already bought. Right? Um, we wouldn't ever install a water heater for somebody and then after we're done go back and be like, hey, by the way, do you want to buy a water softener too? Like they they're already done. Like their mind's yeah. on to the next thing, right? Yeah. Like if we were going to offer them a water softener, we would have done that at the very beginning. We wouldn't have done it at the end. So, um, as you guys are putting your price books together and as you guys are venturing off into self-employment, keep that in mind that sales is really, really simple in the aspect of you identify what they need. You identify some extra things that they might want. You present, you package that up into several options and you present that to the customer up front. And then once they make their selection, you move on and do the work. It's, it's that simple. So... Um, topic number two for tonight is, uh, financial surprises and how to overcome large unexpected financial surprises. (laughs) So this actually, um, and and we've had this request from a couple of people that'll message or email us in, uh, by the way, if you have any questions and you want to email us, uh, you can send them email to askmitch at mitchsmedley.com. And, um, if your email is, is a great question, we'll probably even talk about it on the show. If not, we reply to all of those emails. So feel free to send us an email, but, um, we get this a lot where people will ask more questions about like, tell us more day-to-day stuff on what's going on in your business right now. You're like for right now, we're a little over two years in, we're growing. Um, right now we have four plumbers, including myself. We're getting ready to add a fifth plumber. So, um, you know, we're, we're starting to stabilize a little bit on all of our, all of our growth and everything else. 
And so um, this is kind of inspired from that, uh, from from people saying, we want to know what's going on in your day-to-day operations as, as a company. Um, what's what's going on in our day-to-day operations as a company these last couple of months is we got some very, very unexpected news in these last couple of months uh, regarding <clears throat> regarding our taxes. They'd almost and, wanted to throw up there. Yeah. Take taxes. Yeah, right. <laughs> So, um, fuckers, <laughs> um, and, and this, this news has actually caused, uh, the end of my relationship with my accountant. Um, and this is an accountant that I used to rant and rave about. However, um, something happened and I don't know what happened with him, but he, he started slipping and started dropping the ball and the communication dropped down and the advice we were getting went to a very poor level. And, um, I don't want to say it cost me money because this this money I would probably have to pay anyway. However, uh, because of it, his advice, it put me in a very bad position. So um, in the last two months, I have been blessed with over $50,000 in greatly unexpected financial surprises. I've been waiting to bust your balls this whole episode, and you keep kind of snaking out of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready this time. So... Um, uh, this, this has happened over two occurrences. Um, one was a $40,000 tax bill that we were not expecting. Ooh, what happened and, to 37? Got you for an extra three grand, huh? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so it started at 47000 I thought you said it was going to be down to 37. It started at 47000 After a one-hour conversation with my accountant, it's now 37000 So, uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, so we got a $37,000 tax bill. Um, and then, um, um, I got wind that, so as a business owner, you have two types of insurances that you carry on the business. You've got your general liability insurance. Um, and then you've got your work comp insurance if you have employees. And how those insurance policies work is you basically guess at how much work you're going to do, your total revenue, your payroll, your number of employees, and all of that stuff. And then at the end of the year, they will audit you, and they will verify how much revenue did you do, how many employees did you have, how what was your total payroll. And then they will adjust their premium accordingly. And so if you guessed well, you make it through that audit pretty well. If you guessed poorly, you suffer and you have to pay or, or whatever on the end. So we went through a work comp audit and um, we skated through that with like, they actually gave us like 300 bucks back. If you're, um, if you're honest on your work comp and you, you tell the guy, yeah, I have two employees and you have two employees and not four. Right. That number's going to be legit. It's going to be fairly close. Yeah. It's not, you, you're not going to get a $10,000. Oh man, work comp scrutiny. No. Right. If you're, if you're honest with them and say, Hey, my wife is a secretary. I work. I have two employees. Right. That the number is going to be the number. Yeah. And, and so, and as you hire employees, you're adding them to your work comp policy. And so that helps trigger some of the adjustments that'll make that audit fairly manageable. Um, and so we made it through that audit and that one was negligible, right? Uh, in the grand scheme of things over an entire year, yeah. the premium was 400 yeah. bucks off. If you're, That's on, not that if you're bad. honest, you're good on that. Right. Uh, now our general liability insurance, <clears throat> there are no triggers in place necessarily 
to update your general liability insurance. And so your general liability insurance is based off your revenue and your payroll. Those are the two big drivers of your general liability insurance. And so at the beginning of last year, we gave our insurance agent a forecast of what we thought we were going to do for revenue, and we forecasted too low. And um, there was no real triggers to like update that throughout the year. Like we were focused on a bunch of other things. Well, now we've made it through our audit. And I want to say at the beginning of the year, it's the beginning of our fiscal year, the beginning of our policy renewal, which is August. So we've made it through that audit, and it comes up that we are $11,000 short on our premium. Um, basically, this is the penalty that you pay for being successful. It's because our revenue was much higher than we guessed it would be, and our payroll was much higher than we guessed it would be. And so now we get to pay the appropriate level of premium that really we should have been paying throughout the, the I mean, 11,000 bucks, that's almost a thousand bucks a month. So basically, we were underpaying our monthly premiums by about a thousand bucks a month. And so um, that's all been corrected now going forward for next year. I mean, how you would mitigate that, I mean, you could always, and I don't know if you would have an office manager. I, I would think that you'd have an office manager do this or even a secretary if, if they're actually looking through the gross income that you're bringing in. You know at the beginning of the year, hey, I've told them that we're going to do, for round numbers, I told them we're going to do a million dollars. Yeah. And at the end of the first quarter, we're at 250 yeah. We're on track. You're on track. Okay. Right? And th- that's something you only have to check four times a year. Okay. Halfway through, oh, we're at seven. Uh, maybe I should call them and ask. Yeah. Next quarter, oh, shit. You know what? The next quarter, we only did, uh, you know, 150. Okay. Right. We're back on track because we're under. Right. And, you know, and it, so, in, in full disclosure, I don't know if that's something that you can, like you said, mitigate throughout the year. I don't know if that's something that you can adjust and they can adjust your premium mid policy. No, I don't think they can adjust your premium, but if you know you're going to be over, then you can set aside money for that. They may be that. able to tell you how much how well, much no, short you, you're going to be. Well, you just know, hey, okay, so last year I did a million or I told them a million and we did one five. Right. Okay, and I was over and I had to pay X amount of dollars. Well, the next year I told them, Two and we did two five. I was five hundred thousand over. Well, the number is going to be the same. Could be, yeah. You know, so that last quarter, you know, maybe don't even check it till the end of the third quarter, and be like, okay, at if this quarter is exactly what we thought it was going to be, yeah. I I will know that I'm going to be plus or minus, you know, a hundred thousand or five, you yeah. know, five hundred thousand or ten thousand, or I'm going to be right on the number. You would at least be. I'm not saying you wouldn't have to write a check. I'm saying you would be pre- more prepared to write that check. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I said in, in, instead of buying the new shelving in the shop, I just I set that money aside because I knew I was going to. You know, as we talk about all the time on the show is being prepared. Right. And then when we have a problem, you know, go back and reevaluate. Yep. So now next year, you're going to be able to say, you know, after the first quarter, you're going to be able to literally take three seconds and say, okay, where are we at? The first quarter, right? These right. numbers, you're using QuickBooks. Yep. All you have to do is click, click. Oh, okay. There's the number it, right yeah, there. Yeah, it'll give you annual projections. You know, and I, I mean, I it, mean, if, if I mean, eleven thousand dollars doesn't sound like a lot of money, but to a guy that's just starting out, that could be make or break. Well, so eleven thousand does not seem like a lot of money. However, getting that news just a week or two after, uh. Fifty-seven thousand dollars surprise. 
Or four, was, 40, 47. 47. 47. God, you keep changing the number, Austin. Th- so we'll get into the tax thing next. No, and I'm just... So, so getting that news just after a $47,000 surprise, that's that gets pretty surprising, right? We got both phones going off here. Hey, after um, I get my ass chewed last week, I remember today. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, that's, that's where it comes in, right? And so um, now, in full disclosure... We, we preach on this show about being prepared for these kind of surprises over and over and over. Um, I also, uh, we, we also stress putting faith and trust in the people to do things that you don't know how to do or you aren't smart enough to do, right? Like, I'm a plumber, I'm not an accountant. And so I went through this entire last year with my accountant telling trusting me. Him. Trusting him. Trusting <laughs> yeah. him. And him telling me, we're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Now, um, as, as you guys are listening to this show, um, we're, this show is being recorded in October. I got this news on September 1st. Um, I have been making fun of Mitch the whole time. Yeah, he has. Um, <laughs> so we uh, broke, bitch. <laughs> one, one of the things, one of the things that happened was uh, my accountant filed an extension. I did not want him to file an extension. Um, I don't like filing extensions. I want to. I want to get the tax you want thing. Want to get it done and get it out moved and, on to the next year. Yeah, I want to get it out of the way early in the year, so that now I can proceed with the next year. Because here's the problem: if your accountant says, "Oh, we always file an extension," fire them immediately, and and that's no bullshit. And it, here's here's why: unless you, unless you're a ten million dollar corporation. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Sometimes it just takes that long to get all your shit out. <laughs> here's why that's a massive problem. We went through this entire year with wrong advice. I went through an extra six months of this year operating yeah. incorrectly, and I did not even know it until September 1st. At September 1st, I'm surprised with this information that we weren't actually okay on taxes. And so not only does that create a... a a temporary, so it's a two-year problem instead of one-year problem. Right, is what's happened. So now, now it puts off my preparation for next year because now I have to focus on the tax deficit for this year. Right. So um, sounds like you need a GM. Well, we've we've solved this in a couple of different <laughs> ways. So um, I'll work for you. How much cash you got? If if your accountant is saying we always file an extension. You need to find a different accountant. And the reason why is because you do your taxes early in the year. You learn from how you handled with taxes, how you fared with taxes. So now you work the entire year, make as much money as you can. And then about September time, you're actually planning for next year and you're planning tax strategy for the next year. Yeah. Well, it's kind of hard to plan tax strategy when you're just now learning how you fared with taxes from nine months ago. Hey man, I work so I work with someone very closely that does that every year and literally I'm like he doesn't pay anything. Anything. Nothing, 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 nothing. And then when the extension comes due, oh I gotta write this check. I'm like I So I'm just like, what are stop. It's different pay uh, into. I'll say this. It's different if they've done your taxes and they're filing the and you owe money and they're filing the extension just to delay that. No, that's not it. That's not why. But if not, if you haven't even done your taxes and you're just kicking that can six months down the road, that's a massive problem. Yeah. So look, I um, never did that much revenue because 
everyone knows I was one man show. But what I would always do is so when January one hit, so heating cooling guy, mm-hmm. so all the in, initial emergencies are done. Our slow time is usually January. Okay, right. when January one hit, I. I did all of our taxes. Yep. So I got everything. I, I mean, I went through all my books. I went through all my receipts. I went through everything three times, GL coded everything that I needed to do. And I always had them to the accountant by January 30th. Right. Every time. Right. And I did enough of my own stuff that literally all they had to do was you know, plug process everything the into taxes. the right stuff and then process the taxes. Now, listen, it's a smaller deal. Well, but I so always we made that, that a point. We so were in that, that same boat. But by the time Fe- the end of February rolled around, I mean, I'm getting a check or writing. A ch- I know how big a check I got. Or I never, I never got a check. Yeah. I always, you know, I knew the how much I had to, write, and I had that money set aside. Like yep. we've always talked, like we talked about, hey, thirty percent, and I wrote that check. And literally by March first, I was on to the next year. The year before was past me. I had paid my taxes. It was over. Right. So so our books are closed between the 10th and the 12th of each month. And uh, we don't have a lot of pressure to close our books early. We're not a big, giant company. They're, they're like really big, impressive companies. They'll have their books closed within three or four days of the next month. Who cares? For, for you us, know, it's not a big deal. Right, right. For us, it doesn't matter that much. We could speed it up, but it's just not a priority for us at this, at this moment. Um, it will be in the future as we grow. But for right now, it doesn't yeah. make a big difference. So we had 2021 closed in the books by January 15th. Yeah. So the accountant had all the information in the world to do our taxes January 15th. Um, yeah, that's on still them. Still files then. the extension. That's on them then. And then, and so here was my so my big problem. Do not have been pissed. And this is what severed the relationship. Uh, it's actually twofold. Um, one was we went through the entire year saying, you guys are going to be good. You're going to be good. Don't worry about it. You're going to be good. And, and because here I've got this pot of money that I've set aside in case I need it for taxes. And when he says you're going to be good, you're going to be good. Well, now I start taking that money and reinvesting it in other parts of the business. I'm not spending it on myself. I'm not wasting it. Yeah. I'm, I'm buying trucks. I'm buying tools. I'm buying shelving. I'm buying I'm buying things to help the business grow. Yeah. Right? So now. Also a new camera. Maybe. No. 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 Doesn't no. sound like it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe next week. We'll yeah. Try yeah. Maybe next week. Yeah. I'll try. I'll so, keep, I'm plugging at him. So I'm reinvesting that money in the company. And once Thanks, it's Dave. reinvested in the company, it's it's there, right? So now I get blessed with this, at the moment, $47,000 surprise. And so um, one of the things that we did last year was we bought two trucks with cash because we didn't have any business credit yet. So I spent well over $70,000 in cash on two Ford Transits. Which is a dollar-for-dollar tax deduction. It's a, It can be if you depreciate it all in the first year. Which right? everyone should do. <laughs> if you're paying cash for them, yes, you That's should. That's what I do, would do. So um, anyway. Not that I'm the smartest. I'm, I'm staring at this $47,000 bill, and I say, hey, how much depreciation did we take on those two trucks that I bought with cash? And he says, I set them up on a five-year schedule. And I said, why do you do that? Because they're already sold. Like, I sold them January 3rd of this year. And he says, well, it, it affects how much you pay in capital gains tax because we sold them for more than we bought them for. The automotive market went up. I bought them for about thirty-five dollars or $36,000 a piece. Capital gains is still less than income tax. <laughs> I know. So I bought them for thirty-five dollars or $36,000 a piece. Yeah. I sold them for about $42,000. So I made money on them. I have to pay tax on that money that I made. 
And so he says it affects your capital gains tax. And I said, okay, let's run a hypothetical here for a second. Let's take 100% depreciation, depreciation on them and tell me what my tax liability goes to this year. It drops $10,000 off my tax liability this year. And I said, okay, what does that do to my tax liability next year, assuming the difference in capital gains tax and all of that stuff? And he says, well, it looks like it's going to increase your tax liability next year by 10 grand. And I'm like, okay, so this is perfectly legal. We can take full depreciation this year, and we're literally kicking a $10,000 can a year down the road. Why wouldn't I do that? Well, I don't know. Okay. You're fired. Well, <laughs> you just surprised me with a $47,000 tax bill that you said we're good on all year long, and now you're giving me pushback when I'm trying to reduce it by ten grand. Yeah. Like, what? what's so hard to see here, right? What are you doing, bro? So um, we, we go ahead and make those adjustments. He files them. I go back and pick up the paperwork, and now we're staring at $37,000 in state and federal income taxes that I was not expecting, and $11,000, just just a few weeks later, we get this $11,000 general liability policy audit premium. And so... Um, Did I already say you need a general manager? Yeah, yeah, well... Did I say that? In, in hey. the time of all this transpiring, um, we've hired a couple of key people. They're, they're not on staff with our company. We're, we're contracting out to them. Um, we've hired a couple of key people. Obviously, I've made a change in my accountant um, and one that that uh, won't file an extension, but also they know that our agreement is severed immediately if they don't file on time. Um, but we've also hired a uh, – they're basically a financial strategist. And so for young entrepreneurs that don't have tons of business experience. I could have done that for you. No, not, not to the level of what this guy's doing. Um, How do you know? How the fuck do you know? Oh, I got a feeling I know. Oh, man, I don't think so. So, so the, guy, uh, said the guy who had a surprise $37,000 tax bill roll up. What yeah. did we talk about the other day when we were talking about this? What did I tell you? We talk about a lot, so we go talk ahead. about go a on. lot. Go on. What did I? What did we talk about? I said, Mitch, it's your responsibility every three months to know what your guest. You're supposed to be guesstimating your tax liability for that. We tell all of our listeners, yeah. hey, look, when you get a bill well, in the mail, listen. If you do a job and it's ten grand, okay, and five thousand dollars of that is overhead material supplies, labor, whatever, and you think you have made $5,000 in profit, 30% of that is set aside right, for right. the government. Right. You know that with every invoice you send out. So, and so you can that... look at it. Don't interrupt me. <laughs> we can, you should know that every three months. And you don't have to sit down and tally it up exactly. But you could easily look at it and say, okay, I think we're on the track for this. Yeah. And then the next month, we're on the track of it for this. And then I, I, you can't – I don't – I'm not intentionally trying to make Mitch feel bad or look bad. No, no. But as a business owner, you have to be on – until you can find someone that you actually trust and has a track record for more than a couple of years, you have to be able to look at that stuff and say, okay, I'm going to be here, and I've only been paying in this – 
what is going on. Right. You know, at six months, you probably should have known, hey, yeah. this isn't right. I, I, something is fucked up. I need to go to this guy and say, hey, so, dude, what the hell? So here's the here's the big difference between the advice we're giving to our listeners and what happened to me. Um, the advice we're giving to our listeners is, is great advice. Um, however, the advice we're giving to our listeners has to do a lot with you're a one-man show, so the numbers are a lot smaller, and you're probably not running payroll. You're probably just taking owner's draws. And so on, on the one-man show level where you're taking owner's draws, you are going to have to pay approximately 30% tax on every amount of money you owners drew out of your account and every dollar that's in your account on December 31st. Because every dollar that's left in your account on December 31st is probably profit and or every least, dollar yeah. and every dollar you owners drew is probably profit. So that is still phenomenal phenomenal advice and it worked perfectly for our first year in business. Um, where the complications came in for me, and this is why we're talking about this on the show, yeah. is because yeah. we want I'm to. I'm not busting Mitch's balls yeah, yeah, to yeah. make him bad. This is this is a learning experience for everyone for everybody. listening. And and this let's let's be 100 percent transparent here. This is the whole purpose of this show, and yeah. this highlights that. So the reason we have this show is because we were recently where you are, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? If you're just now starting out in business, you're soon going to be exactly where I am right now. And where I am right now is in that funny middle ground between the advice that we give you on the show from being a one-man show where you have to set all these tax reserve accounts aside for yourself and being a company that has a massive payroll. I don't want to say massive because we're, we're, we have, what, one, six, seven employees? You're a small business. So, so now we have a large payroll, yeah. especially compared to a one-man show. We have a big payroll. Yeah. We're paying in tons of taxes every month already, and it gets way too overwhelming for one person to understand how all of that plays against each other from the get-go. So you have to put faith in your accountant that they're steering you in the right direction. And the 100% downfall of all of this is... My accountant spent six months giving me bad information. He spent six months telling me, we're okay, we're okay, we're okay. And then September 1st tells me we owe 47000 And And by the way, when you file an extension, taxes are due September 15th. Yeah. So I had 15 days to come up with $47,000. I told you I'd loan it to you. Yeah, of course you did. I did. I said, so, you need me to write your check or not? So. He said, no, I got it. Um, I said, Okay. Uh, so, so that's where the problem came in. We got, we got into a financial area, a taxing and accounting area where it was way above my expertise. Right. And so at that moment I needed to rely on my accountant and, and when I needed them most, they let me down with bad advice. So, um, here's, here's where this turns into a good thing. Um, 
this isn't money that we shouldn't have owed, right? It's money we should have been paying all along. So yeah. I, I can't really get... It's not me. your money. You owed it. You knew it. I, yeah, yeah, I owed it. I, you know, it's it, at the moment you owe it, at that point, it's like, okay, it's not that I'm not mad at the government. I'm not How mad did, at... I'm mad at my accountant for off, giving me bad advice. We're all mad at the well, government yeah, because I'm they're not a more, bunch of shitheads. Yeah, yeah. okay. That's its that. own thing. Yeah, yeah that's I'm not more mad thing. at the government, however. Um, but... Um, I was suspicious of all of this stuff kind of brewing anyway, and and I was kind of leery anyway. And so when the information came to me, I don't want to say it was a surprise, or it wasn't a surprise, because it was. But um, it wasn't a surprise that my accountant wasn't quite accurate with all that stuff. I had, ha- I had a sneaking feeling that it was going to happen. So in the process, I've got a new accountant. Now this new accountant costs a lot more. Um, but... Um, I have a new accountant that's very proactive and very, very proactive on understanding a lot of the tax strategy programs. And so now we have five vehicles that we bought all this year, and they're actually coming to me and in, in already we're, we're in, in, in Q3. So right now we're in Q4 of 2022, but in Q3 of 2022, they were coming to me and asking do you know? Do you have any preferences on how we depreciate these vehicles? We bought five vehicles in in this year. Do do you want to dep- like? Do you want to depreciate them all at a hundred percent, or do you want to depreciate one or two of them at a hundred, and then slow down the rest, or do you do you want our advice on what you should do? So they're already coming to me with with aggressive plans on how much profit do you want to show this year? And they're leveraging all of that against, do, will I need a loan in the next few years? Because they could depreciate all the vehicles this year and make it look like I made no money. However, that costs me if I ever want to go get a loan yeah. because no bank's going to loan money to a business that makes no money, yeah. right? I see Mitch getting a loan this next so, year. I think next May, Mitch is going to be get, getting a, I'd say he's going to be getting his own building be next may maybe that'd be my guess and maybe we'll see so um, i guess let but, me ask you something but anyway i've got this accountant that's now very proactive about like what do you want what do you what are your plans for the business so we know how to do your taxes accordingly rather than an accountant who's old and stuck in their ways and saying i've always done it this way and this is what we do and you just have to deal with it yeah so let me ask you something yep do you think that after one, after la- this last year, mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you think, as far as breaking it down quarterly, do you think that you could sit down and say, okay, so for each employee, because all your employees make the same money, basically, uh, your your techs, close for for yeah. for each tech in a given quarter, it costs me. Th- this much or this amount of money X goes against my tax liability for that quarter. Um, if you sat down and did it, so I know where I know where you're getting with that. Well, I'm just saying. So if you then you, it would be easier. I don't know if it would help you or not. I I don't know if it would help you know the listeners or not. But you know if okay if I had five, I know that each employee is you know five yeah. percent or of whatever that quarter is, and then that would help you you know, adjust your tax compensation for that quarter yeah. going from one quarter to the next. So so one of the people that I, find I have... that very interesting. Yeah, so one like of the people I've brought that. onto my team is a financial strategist for young businesses. And um, full transparency, how these guys work 
is they basically get in and they really, really understand where, where you're at in business now and where you want to be. And they charge you a monthly fee. And that monthly fee is to set your tax strategy up. Um, once your tax strategy is set up, it's fairly consistent in the following years. And so their monthly fee... Yeah, unless you have a drastic change or something. Yeah, like, like if you acquire a business or sell... Buy a building. Something, right? Yeah. And, and so... Hire six guys. Well, no, hiring people doesn't affect your, your strategy. It just affects the numbers that are going into it. Of course it affects your strategy. You've hired six. They're all busy. Now you're making money. Now your whole strategy has changed. No, no. Am so, I saving that so, money? Am I keeping that money? Am I writing a big check? That's, I, all, that's all included in the strategy. It's just affecting the numbers that are going into the strategy. How much profit, how much cost, and all that stuff. But... Um, so basically how these guys work is they're going to charge you a monthly fee. But then after you're on board with them for about 12 months, the strategies are pretty much set in place. And so pretty common, you're going to find that their monthly fee cuts in half on the 13th month. And it'll stay reduced from there on out. And so now they stay on as your financial consultant, but a bulk of their work is done because they've kind of set your strategy in place. Yeah. So... Um, realistic example of how this works. Um, so for, for those that are listening to the show that started a business around the pandemic, or, or I'm sorry, <clears throat> that were in business around the pandemic or whatever, we've all heard the term PPP loans. And these were loans from the government to... To pay your employees. To pay your employees, right? It yeah. was a payroll protection plan yeah. is what I, what I think PPP stands for. Um, and so... Um, it was basically a check from the government as as a, hey, we're sorry we shut your business down. Here's some money to help cover the payroll that you incurred while your business was shut down, right? Um, the government also came out later with another program called ERC Credits. And ERC stands for Employee Retention Credits. So on top of PPP loans, employers could qualify for ERC credits. And how those ERC credits work is basically if you were in business in 2019 and then you could prove you lost revenue in 2020 while retaining employees, the government's going to give you some money for that. And then if you can prove that you lost revenue again in 2021 in comparison to your 2019 revenue, the government's going to give you some more money for that. Right. And so I asked our old accountant, I said, hey, we started our business after the pandemic started. So I don't even think it's ethical for me to try PPP loans because like we literally opened our business up after the shutdowns. So we didn't really have PPP issues. Right. Um, I, I didn't even ever look into it. I think we were even outside the window for PPP well, stuff. You were still paying your guys. Well, yeah, you know, like, we they're were busy. still working. Yeah, we yeah, were busy. They're still right? working. I couldn't show a loss in revenue because we didn't like we didn't no. have any, right? So, uh, but I asked my accountant about these ERC credits, and he said, "No, if you don't have any revenue to show in 2019, you're not going to qualify." Well, we didn't open our business until 2020. Yeah, and so I said, "Okay," and I left it at that. Again, I was trusting him, right? Well, my new financial strategist said, we need to look into ERC credits. And I said, well, I don't know if we'll qualify because we weren't in business in 2019. He says, I got a guy. He doesn't cost you, like, it doesn't cost you anything until he proves that he can get you ERC credits. I'm going to have him look into you. 
set up a discovery call. Well, so yeah, so from 20 to 21, you could. Maybe, right? But if we didn't have 2019 as an anchor, I didn't know if it would work. So anyway, this guy calls me up. It's we go year to year. We go over all the facts and everything else, and I tell him flat out. I'm like, look, we didn't open up until 2020. So I don't even think I qualify. And he goes, what kind of work do you do? And I said, in-home service plumbing. And he says, and you opened mid-pandemic? I said, yeah. And he goes, you qualify. Trust me. Yeah, from 20 to 21, and, should, and at least that year. It, well, and it, so, yeah. and then I said, okay, well, even if I did qualify, I don't have, like, we did more, we did better in 21 than we did in 20. Yeah. So I didn't lose revenue. And he goes, it doesn't matter. You were, so employee retention credits. Oh, you were keeping your employees busy. Not only were you gotcha. keeping employees, you were adding employees. I wonder where you were going with that. Yeah. So you were adding employees through this time, and your employees were doing essential work of going into people's homes and fixing their plumbing. He says, I guarantee you qualify. So ERC credits are based around your payroll taxes and all of this kind of stuff. And so I send him all the info he asked for. He comes back to me, and he says, guess what? You qualify for $35,000 in ERC credits. So what is it? What does an ERC credit do for you? Um, it, it's basically it's a check from the government straight to you as an apology, basically. For, so basically it is a tax deduction for whatever. No, it's a check. No, I understand that, but it's a... It's essentially a tax deduction because you owe taxes. Yeah, so basically you owe taxes. It's a, it's so a now credit. Yeah, it's a credit check based off of your payroll taxes yeah. during those time periods. Yeah, right. It's a thank you for keeping going. Yeah, but it's a, it's a thank. It's it's basically a tax deduction. Yeah, it's it's a tax deduction in arrears is kind of what exactly. it is. Exactly. So, um, uh, because this is all based off of past times, right? Yes. So I had one accountant. Who was telling me you don't even qualify? I'm not even going to look into it. So you're telling me and you then I have this other guy k coming, coming. Where are we going? Uh, well, so how we handled? <laughs> where are we going? Where, where, where Again, the fuck are we going? We're, we're all about real life and transparency on this show. Where are we going, man? My thirty-seven thousand dollar tax expense that I was not expecting. Yeah, um, about covered. eight, about eight to nine thousand of it was state taxes, and the rest was federal taxes. Yeah, we paid the state taxes in at a hundred percent. Um, your federal taxes offer you several options to defer that payment. You can set up on payment plans. Pay it. You can pay it all outright. Pay it. Or write a fucking check. You can defer it for um, 180 days or 360 days. So, so you did the 180. We deferred it for 180. Cost. How us, about that? Look cost at that us a little bit of money. But yeah, it's not much. It's not. I mean, it's a lot in comparison to figuring the 180. However, again. When you're bestowed with this nice $37,000 surprise. Where the fuck are we going? Yeah. <laughs> so. Hey, snowboarding trip this year paid for by uh, Smedley Plumbing. Not happening. Um, so what, uh, Man, what, what we dick. did was we deferred our tax payment by 180 days. And then um, we should have our ERC credit check by then. And we're hoping that those two will offset. Now, how these ERC credit guys work is they take a cut. They take a percentage. And so yeah. they do all the legwork. They do all the processing of the paperwork. And granted, this is paperwork I don't even know how to process, right? No. So And if it and, doesn't come from someone that's certified, they probably just throw it in the trash. Right. No, in our government. Right. And so... Oh, um, no one's getting a cut? Threat trash. Right. So by the time they get their cut, 
it should come out about in a wash of what our federal tax liability is that's due in 180 days and when we receive our ERC credit money. So um, essentially, we got bestowed with like 50 grand, over 50 grand in tax surprises. We didn't fold up our doors. We didn't give up. We didn't go sell off everything and say, well, that was a good run. We even alluded to, we've been, Dave and I have been talking about when to drop this show for a while. Obviously, Dave knows, like I keep Dave in the loop of everything that's going on in my business. Yeah, we're friends, it's different. Yeah, Dave knew since September 1st at about probably 10 minutes after I left my accountant's office (laughs) that all of this happened. We did a show that night, I think. Well, so we did a show and we talked about being prepared for financial surprises and all of that kind of stuff. I can't remember. And, And we talked about the big crazy surprises and how it's not the final chapter of your book. It's a chapter of your book, but how you rebound from it defines the rest of the book. So we stuck with it. We got creative. We shaved ten grand off the tax bill right away with the, how we we depreciated the trucks, and we sought better counsel from other experts, and we got a path out of it, right? And so, there's no worries from my account. There's the the cash flow is fine, and everything is fine there. Um, uh, there's there's always options away from it. So the whole purpose of this show is to let you know that. You know, I just got slapped with $50,000 in surprises and I'm still kicking it and still running strong and still have a way out. And I'm, I've learned from the experience of what led into that. And so we're going to put some plans in place so that doesn't happen again. Now, that doesn't mean I won't get slapped with another $50,000 surprise somewhere else. However, Owning a business, much like anything in life, is all about learning from past experiences and and trying to reduce the likelihood of that happening again. Well, I can I can virtually guarantee that this tax surprise won't happen again. However, I am sure we will get surprised in other areas that I don't even know about yet, and we'll have to mitigate those as they come through. Yeah, and you know the whole point of the show isn't just to teach guys how to get started and give them a footprint to get started. It's about empowering people. I shouldn't say guys. I always say guys. It's about empowering people to know that even when the chips are down, you can overcome it. If you are prepared and you've done the things that we talk about on this show about being prepared and being in the right situation, even when you get a big surprise or if you get a gut punch, you have the tools to get past it. Yeah. Okay, there are always options out there to get past it. Yep. Just like Mitch just saying, if you get a tax bill, okay, they will let you defer it. Yeah. Okay? And is that what you want to do? Of course not. But it will buy you time yeah. to seek counsel, well, to talk to another tax advisor to get that check from that big commercial job that you haven't got yet and you're worried you're not going to make it but hey if i just defer this i know i'm going to get that check yeah you know there's not i think in our culture right now a lot of people will just immediately hit the panic button like oh shit what do i do and they get so overwhelmed and they don't know you know what to do they're just oh shit oh yeah yeah just take a deep breath okay Analyze your situation, 
Okay, try to use the tools that we've given you, that other mentors have given you. Take a deep breath and realize, okay, this is shitty, but I can get through it. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Well, and it's it's no different than, you know, how we started this show with Brad Lee's story about burning his 3800 bucks. Oh, isn't that funny? That's funny. <laughs> my wife has just surprised me with my Halloween costume. And uh, why is she wearing it? Uh, well, she just did a trunk or treat. So we were handing candy out out of a toilet bowl. Is that and a skirt or pant legs? That pant legs. those are pant oh, legs. Okay. She's as, she's wearing a toilet. I'm not as she is literally a guy sitting you, on a toilet. Get it, what are you high? She's, she's showing it off for the camera. Okay, so for all of you that have never actually went to the YouTube channel... You might want to watch this one on YouTube. You might want to go at least to the last five minutes and see what happened. That's hilarious. Danielle's living up to her old nickname. And now Austin knows why he has to film the meeting tomorrow, because I'm walking in the meeting wearing that. Are you guys still having it at the breakfast place? No, at Um, her shop. Wow, that's fucking lame. Oh, hell no, it's so much better. Hello, do you think it would be better for you to walk that into the warehouse or walk that into Sandy's? Because oh, well, yeah, frankly, I think yeah. that would be better to go yeah. into Sandy's. Well, I have to make for sure ask Mitch because he'll do this thing where every once in a while he'll just say, bring your camera, be ready to shoot. Yeah. And Mr. then nothing else, no context. Mr. Mr. Organized, yeah. Yeah. And then no yeah. context, be yeah. like, is there like, to kind of plan on anything? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. shooting? You're going to watch somebody get fired. I've told Austin a hundred times, like, I could never work for Mitch. I was like, uh, he'd just be in a hole in the backyard. He'd be dead in like two days. Well, sometimes he'll send just context. Like, he'll send, like, just bring your camera to shoot. And then, like, ten minutes later, oh, we're filming this. Ah, there's the content. There it is. There it is. There it is. Hey, yeah. buddy, I already left the house. Thanks for the heads up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So. Wrap well, it up, Mitch. We've so, been doing that. I'm exhausted. So just like we were talking about Bradley overcoming the adversity of, of having no money and still having to figure out how he's going to run the rest of the week in Vegas, right? He didn't give up. He didn't go home. He yeah. figured it out, right? And that's ultimately what starting your own business is, is you're literally in the business of figuring shit out and understanding that when you figure out today's problems, tomorrow's going to bring more. And, and the next week's going to bring more. And next month, you're going to have more. And the bigger your business gets, the bigger potential problems can be. Um, I'm not saying the bigger they will be, but the bigger they can be, right? The more you're doing, the bigger your problems can be. But you can mitigate them. You can offset them. And so, um, you know, literally today, I was on the phone with my financial strategist and we are putting plan. We have a meeting next week about putting plans in place to put a double check measure in on the accountant. So as I'm closing out the books, I have an actual number at the end of each month to say, okay, here's how much profit we show. Here much. Here's how much we should be setting aside for taxes. And, and all of that kind of stuff. Is and, that correct? And and we yeah. can verify from the accountant, is that correct and everything else. So again, it's greatly different when you have, you know, salary employees and hourly employees and you're paying all of these other taxes. It's it's a wildly different game than when you're just employed by yourself and taking owner's draws. So um, guys, if this show brought you value, if you liked what you heard in this show, if you want to hear more stuff like you heard today, 
do us a favor and let us know. I mean, uh, send us a message on Facebook. Uh, send us a message on our uh, The Void YouTube page. Send us an email at askmitch at mitchsmedley.com. We encourage your feedback. Literally, the whole purpose of this show is to help you guys start your businesses and do well in your first few years. And so uh, in, in order to do that, we need your feedback. We need to hear about the struggles that you're having in your business. We need to hear about the struggles that you're facing wanting to start your business. And so uh, the more you communicate with us, the better these shows get. So um, do us a favor and, and don't hesitate at all to communicate with us. So um, also, if you like this show, please do us a favor and drop us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on. If you're listening on YouTube, please do us a favor and give us a thumbs up. So um, until next week, guys, we will see you later and keep kicking ass. Love you guys. See ya.